What if there was one thing, one thing that you could do right now that would make the rest of your life so much easier? Well, guess what? There is, and we're about to talk about how. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and this is Growing Boulder. Not only should all of us do it, but it is essential that we do. We all know it, but most of us don't get a chance. We don't plan. Where do you really want to live? What do you really want to do? And just how do you suppose you're going to be able to make it all happen? We need to have a plan because life is about opportunity. You can wait for it to come your way or you can do like the people that you're going to hear from today and put yourself right in the path of it. I am anxious to hear about that plan, Bill. Coming up, some pretty special guests respected and admired for what they have accomplished and, of course, for what they want you to know about living a full life. We're also going to hear a Growing Boulder classic interview with a legendary actor whose career spanned six decades. He was 92 at the time, and you'll be inspired by the energy and the passion of Ernest Borgnine. Remember McHale's Navy? But first, about that plan. She is a one-woman financial advice powerhouse here to talk about what you need to be ready for retirement. Ordinary people, extraordinary lives. This is Growing Boulder. We're talking finances right now, folks. And before you turn it off, tune in, because this is going to be good. Because if you hope to live a long life, you're going to need enough money to do it. We call it the Health Wealth Connection. So we reached out to one of the most respected financial advisors anywhere, Susie Orman, and she explains how personal finances and personal growth often go hand in hand. You know, sometimes we think we know what it's going to be like when we get older, but when it actually happens, sometimes it's not what we expect at all. I'm Bill Schaefer. This is Growing Boulder, and this is true even if you're a retirement expert, an icon, a legend in your field, because our next guest is all those things. In fact, she was just named by Forbes to their 50 over 50 list. And she just updated her book, The Ultimate Guide to Retirement for 50 Plus. And if you ever had the idea that experts have always been experts, well, everything she's learned, she learned the hard way by going through life, being unprepared for some of the things that life throws at us all. And now she's trying to make sure that we don't do the same. Let's say hello to Susie Orm. And Susie, it's great to have you with us. How are you? I'm great, boyfriend. That's a great introduction. And listen, I've been introduced thousands of times. And usually when I'm sitting here listening to an introduction, I go, really? Oh, please. That one was like, yeah, you hit it. Well, I mean, it, it, it's all you. And, and really, that's true. Everything that you've learned, you learned by going through it the hard way. And, and that didn't even stop when you retired. Yeah. It's, you know, you say the hard way. But there, is there ever really an easy way I don't think so. What, what is really important, what isn't whether it's hard or isn't whether it's easy, it's do you know what you want to go for? Do you know why you're going forth? You always have to have a reason as to why you're doing that which you are doing. And as you get older, 
that reason becomes even more important because as time becomes more limited, you really have to make the most out of every second of every day. Susie, what are your thoughts then on the one thing that none of us want to do, and that's plan? Oh my God, there's nothing more important in life, seriously, as you get older, than making sure that you have a plan in place and a plan for the expected. And that's what we mostly don't have a plan for. We don't want to create a will, a living revocable trust, an advanced directive and a durable power of attorney for healthcare. We don't want to think we're ever going to get sick. We're afraid to plan because who are we going to leave what we do have? You know, and if we make a plan, that means we're going to die. And I've got news for all of us. It's not an if, it's a when. If you don't plan, then really you have planned to fail. So if you fail to plan, you have planned to fail. And Susie, you, you made a great point there. You said plan for the expected. But so much of what happens once we get to retirement age and beyond is unexpected. Things we did not see coming. You have to plan for that, too. You do have to plan for that. But that should be the expected, believe it or not. You should expect that you're going to get ill. You should expect that you're probably going to fall and maybe break a hip. You should expect that your diabetes or your heart or whatever is going to take its toll. As I'm talking to you right now, you know, Bill, I'm 72 years of age. Um, and I didn't expect the things that were going to happen to me that happened to me three years ago now when they discovered a tumor in my neck and a, you know, a 12-hour operation. And I didn't expect the things that happened after that, but I should have. I should have expected that anything could go wrong. So therefore, Susie Orman, when you notice something isn't going right, go to the doctor, check it out. Don't think it's gonna pass. Don't think, oh, well, this isn't a big deal. For two years before they discovered it, I knew something was going wrong, but I just thought, ugh, it'll go away. So. You have to expect the unexpected and you have to expect the expected. You just have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, medical is a great example. Legal is a great example of having a you know, power of attorney, a living will, all of these things. But even the act of retiring, di didn't you go through that, Susie, where at 65 you thought, well, shoot, maybe uh, you'll do what you talked about for 40 years and you'll just you'd ride off into the sunset and, and go fishing for the rest of your days? Yeah, but want to know why I did that? So everybody thought I had lost my mind. I still had the number one show on CNBC, PBS, public television, the shows, and they're still playing to this day, rating and bringing in millions of dollars for PBS, writing for Oprah Magazine, being on QVC and HSN, doing all of these things that were at the top of my game. But also what I noticed then was that I was around a lot of famous people. I was around Larry King. I was around Barbara Walters. I was around other talk show people. And I noticed that they couldn't stop. 
They were afraid that if they stopped doing what they were doing, that they would become irrelevant. I decided I wanted to know who was Susie Orman when she didn't have 30,000, 50,000 people giving her a standing ovation when I gave a talk, when I did all of these things. Who was I when you couldn't define me by my talk shows, my TV shows, my PBS, my this, my that? Who was Susie Orman? So within one week, I sold almost four homes. I stopped the Susie Orman show, stopped writing for the Oprah Winfrey magazine, stopped going on QVC, HS, all of that. I stopped it. And everybody thought I had a nervous breakdown. And KT, my spouse, and I decided we're going to move to the Bahamas. We had a little private island there that we already had lived on. And we were going to see what is it like to just be where nothing else exists, no stores, nothing. And we did that. And I found a whole new life. We became fishing, tournament fishing champions. I, you know, we would spend 10 hours learning how to fish. I mean, I learned to love life just because I was able to wake up. I loved that. And so I proved to myself that I didn't need others to validate me. I could validate myself. Listen, you, you're so used to giving financial advice. How, how about some human advice? What did you learn about life and what's really important and about, and about aging and about a fear of getting older, fear of death? Yeah, you know, I learned that when you really enjoy doing nothing, then there's you know, never enough time to do it. Right, that your life fills up with the things that you want to do, not with the things that you felt you had to do. So the thing about getting older is when you know your own thoughts, when you know who you are, when you don't have any regrets in your life, when you do what's right versus doing what's easy, When you're able to say no out of love for yourself versus yes out of fear of what others are going to think about you, especially your kids or your friends or people who want to borrow money from you because you've done a good job in your retirement planning. When you know about your money, you know what you have, paperwork is in order. When your life is in order, no matter what happens, All of a sudden, you can take a breath and feel the air coming back in and fill you back up again. Now, I know to all of you listening, you may find that crazy. But the most important thing I can tell you is you have to know your own thoughts and how you feel about who you are. And it all comes back. I mean, there is definitely a health, wealth connection. I mean, if you've planned well, and if you've saved, you've bought yourself the opportunity, the freedom to be able to, to think like that. Yeah. And what I learned about health and wealth is I had valued my money and taking care of my money and watching my money grow and grow and grow more than I took care of my health. 
And the only good part about having done that is that if you had gone through what I've been through truthfully for the past three years, especially the past the two years before this last one hasn't been bad at all, to tell you the truth, but the first two years after July 23rd, 2020 were horrific. There's no way I could have worked. There's no way I could do probably anything. I don't know how I would have made it without money. And I think about the people who don't have the luxury to stay at home and not have to work. And that absolutely broke my heart. And that's why I kind of went back and I did the Women in Money podcast and everybody's smart enough to listen, dedicated truthfully for those of us that are 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years of age. Because you have to get a grip on the one thing that you probably don't want to deal with and that is your money and possibly also your health. But it's so important, especially when your health goes. Folks, Susie Orman mentioned the Women in Money podcast. Tell, tell us about that because this is it more than a podcast. This really, this is a resource. It's there for you. I really don't have anything to sell you. I don't want to sell you anything. I don't really care about any of that. I care about that, especially as you are getting older, that you have the absolute best financial information about not only what to do, but about what not to do. Like, don't buy a variable annuity. Do not get whole life insurance. Do not do, you know, your age-based mutual funds, like your target date mutual funds. I so dislike them. How do you know if you have a good financial advisor? And the whole goal of the Women in Money podcast and everybody smart enough to listen, because it's really not just for women. It is for everybody, but obviously, Women and Money, I had already written a book about that in 2007, and it came out again. And, and so we, we created that kind of marketing angle for the podcast. But it's for everybody, but it's really for everybody who is older. When do you take Social Security? What type of retirement account should you have? What do you do when you actually do retire with the money in your 401k? And how vulnerable you are at that time because here you have money in a 401k, you've been putting it in these mutual funds and now you retire and now people are saying, oh, come see this financial advisor and they tell you to do X, Y, and Z and you don't know what to do with it. So I'm there for you. And I have to tell you, we're in our third year now. It's my pride and joy. It absolutely is. More important advice on how to use your money to make money is coming up as we continue our conversation with Susie Orman in just a moment. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by Caring Transitions, a senior move resource to help families ease the stress of life's transitions, offering relocation, home cleanouts, and the resale of everyday household items. Locations near you at CaringTransitions.com. Leap, 
Welcome back. This is Growing Bolder as we continue now with one of the top financial advisors and experts in the country on how you can best prepare money-wise for your financial future. Here's Bill Schaefer with Susie Orman. I'm here to tell you, if you want to find the best financial advisor in the world, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Because nobody's going to care about your money more than all of you. And you will never be powerful in life till you're powerful over your own money. How you think about it, how you feel about it, and how you invest it. And if you think that it's difficult, then I have a bridge to sell you. And why do I say that? Never forget, everybody, that I was a waitress till the age of 30, making $400 a month. I had absolutely no education in finance whatsoever. I from a very fluke set of circumstances, I was hired as a financial advisor simply because they needed to fill their women's quota. But I was told that I would be fired in six months because they really thought women belonged barefoot and pregnant. This was in 1980. And so if somebody like me that grew up dyslexic, I don't think I ever got a grade above a C, like had really was never meant to be anything in my mind other than a waitress. And there's nothing wrong with that because I still miss being a waitress to this day. And I kind of am. I'm just serving up a plate of financial food for all of you to digest. But if I can be what I've become, I'm telling you, money isn't as hard as you think It is. You've bought the ticket that Wall Street has been trying to sell you so that they can make a living off of you. I want you to make a living off of yourself. And at least if you don't want to manage your money yourself, all right, I'll educate you enough through the podcast so you know if you have an honest financial advisor or not. I'm not looking to be your financial advisor or gather your money. I'm looking to make sure that wherever you go, you go to where somebody cares about you. So what do you need to look at? But I'm telling you, it's not that hard. And I just also have to say for those of you listening, if you don't have money, let's say all you have is debt and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm 50, 60, 70. There's no hope for me. Oh, please. You want to give up on yourself? Give up on yourself. Make your life as miserable as you want. But there are things that you can do, and there is hope for you. You just have to have faith in who you are. It is never too late. Inspiring words from Susie Orman there. Susie, let's talk a little bit of shop here. So what do we need to know about Medicare? I mean, there's supplemental plans. There's Medicare Advantage plans. Medicare does not cover long-term care. Do we need it? Is it too expensive? That's a great example of something that we all have to do that we know so little about when we have to make our decision. Let's start with long-term care insurance, because that's actually the easiest one, which is one out of two of you will spend some time in a nursing home after the age of 65. Normally, normal entrance into a nursing home is at the age of 82, 83, right in there. And the stay can be anywhere from two to eight years. And in most situations, it will cost you more for one year in a nursing home than it will for all the premiums that you would pay for long-term care insurance. However, 
It doesn't matter if you can afford long-term care insurance when you're in your late 50s or early 60s, because that's really the perfect time to buy it. It matters, can you afford it when you're in your late 50s, early 60s, maybe even mid-60s, all the way until your mid-80s. Because if you cannot, it makes absolutely no sense for you to buy it whatsoever. But you have to know that premiums with long-term care usually will increase over the years. So it's not, can you afford it right now all the way till you're 80? Can you afford it if it were to go up 10% a year? And if you really can't, then long-term care insurance is not for you. And that's when you start to think about, oh, I maybe then need to think about Do I buy in to an adult living facility or an independent care facility? Or what do I do as I get older where it's just part of the care that I'm paying for? In terms of Medicare and Medicare Advantage, um, you know, you have to decide. My favorite is Medicare. I don't care that it costs me more. The true things in terms of the things that you need, Medicare will really take care of you better than any other type of plan out there. And you just need to know that if ever you switch to a Medicare Advantage plan, and then you wanna go back to Medicare, the Medicare gap, which everybody needs, won't automatically accept you anymore. You have now got to qualify. So I do an entire podcast on Medicare Advantage and everything. It would take me a long time to explain that to you. My preference for all of you, really, if you could, can you just stick with straight Medicare? Next is Social Security. Right. And a lot of you look at these things and you go, oh, I can't wait to retire. I'm going to take Social Security at 62. And if you do that, You are making the biggest mistake in most cases, unless you have an illness and you know that you're not going to be alive for long or whatever it is. There's always extenuating circumstances for everybody. But if you are healthy, if you are 62, which is 10 years younger than I am right now, what is wrong with all of you? If you think that's old, you better than work on your head and your health because it's still so young, I can't even stand it. So, but if you make the mistake and take Social Security at 62, you're going to miss out on 78% of an increase that you could have gotten over the years. Because remember, full Social Security age for most people right now is around 67 if you were born 1960 or later. But what you have to know is that from the age of like 62 to 67, your Social Security benefits will increase 6% a year. From 67 to 70, if that is your full Social Security age, it increases 8% a year. Where do you get a guaranteed increase in income of 8% a year? Nowhere, number one. Number two, that gives you another eight years in most cases, because I will tell you that the perfect age to retire is not 65. It really is 70. 
it gives you an extra eight years if you're thinking about 62 being that time to let your 401k or your retirement accounts increase to pay down the mortgage on your home so that your biggest expense is gone by the time you retire your social security is up there if you have spousal benefits obviously they're only going to get 50 percent of what you were at full retirement age they do not participate in the extra three years just so you know from 67 to 70 but don't make that mistake unless again there's some illness or extenuating circumstances the same thing when you are a widow you need to really or a widower you really need to understand when do you take widow benefits what do you need to know when do you take spousal benefits so i've done many many podcasts on that and those are the things bill that most people get so confused about i can't even tell you and one last thing is as you get older your teeth start to go so many of you get suckered into why you do you know medicare advantage and things like that no if you really want to take care and cut down on your dental expenses as you get older go to a site called dentalsavingsplans.com what you don't know is most dental insurance companies also offer something called a dental savings plan maybe it will cost you hundred and fifty dollars a year there's no waiting period, there's no limit, and it will save you anywhere from 10 to 60% of the money that you spend when you go to a normal dentist. Now, not all dentists take it, but if you go there, I love this company so much, you will see my picture on it, because I couldn't believe six years ago or seven years ago when I heard about it, and I never heard about it before. Why is that? It has saved me over $3,000 so far this year because I've needed some bridge work, some this unbelievable. Wow. That's, that's, Susie, that's amazing. There's so much more if we want to talk Yeah, there shop. are retirement plans. You got to talk retirement plans, Bill. Well, oh, you brought it up. I'll let you go. <laughs> All right. Which is, right, listen, everybody, is that when you have a retirement plan, whether it's an individual retirement account or an employer-sponsored retirement account at work. So that would be a 401k, a 403b, or a TSP if you're in the federal government or military. If they give you the choice of a Roth retirement account, you should absolutely take it bar none. Do not go for the tax write-off today. Go for tax freedom later on in life. If you're able to do a Roth IRA versus a traditional IRA, do that as well. And just know you can have a 401k or a 403b and a TSP and an individual retirement account. And both of them can be Roth. You can have a non-working spouse and she or he could also have a retirement account. But your retirement account is what is going to subsidize you. If you're out there and you're going to count only on your Social Security benefits, I think you're going to get yourself in trouble. So therefore, help yourself out a little bit. And 
and start your retirement accounts, fully fund them, make a priority. And you may be saying, but Susie, I don't have any extra money. If you simply live below your means, but within your needs, if you simply only purchase needs versus wants, and if you simply get as much pleasure out of saving as you do spending, I promise you, I don't care if it's $100 a month. I don't care what it is. Wow. You've given us so much to think what about, What else can Susie? we talk about? We're on a roll. L- let's go for one more one more thing. And you, you were kind enough. I mean, you don't shy away from your age. You talked about being 72. What is life like at 72? So here's what's interesting. One thing you never imagine when you are 40 or 50 or 60 or 70, you never imagine that you're going to be that old. It never even crosses your mind. And then all of a sudden, it creeps up on you. I remember standing on stage saying, and I'm 50. And the whole audience would applaud. And then I remember when I said I was 60 and all of a sudden I'm going, oh my God, they're applauding me because I'm getting older. It does not matter whether you are 50. Actually, it doesn't matter whether you are 20, 30, 60, or 70. You always feel inside like you're 20 years of age. What makes you feel older? What makes you feel older is when you're struggling for money, everybody, and you don't have the money to pay your bills, and now nobody really wants to hire you because you're older. What makes you feel older when you're ill and there's no cure for what you have? And so that I understand. I love my life, everybody. Even though I now have some limitations with my left arm, and the truth of the matter is I can't hold a fishing pole anymore. I doubt highly that I'll ever be able to, but I can drive my boat, and I can watch KT fish, and I can get as much joy out of watching others do that which I used to love to do. And what's funny about it, I almost love it more watching others and loving what they're doing and not feeling like, oh, I feel so sorry for myself because I can't do that anymore. It doesn't matter. Life's a gift, everybody. And don't let yourself get seriously ill because the truth of the matter, Bill, is they didn't expect me to emerge from that operation. And they expected if I did emerge from that operation that I would be, best case scenario, a paraplegic, probably a quadriplegic because my 99% of my spinal cord had been cut off already. It's amazing. When you talk about yourself, we hear that inside of us, and we start asking ourselves, are we a fighter like Susie? Are we willing to, to do what we can to get on our own feet? Physically, financially, it's basically the, it's the same muscle inside of us all. And, you know, thank goodness you get off the boat still long enough to do the podcast, to, to do interviews like this, to offer advice to people, because this is still one area where so many of us don't know where to turn. Yeah, I, get have, I, I have a saying, and it's be a warrior and don't turn your back on the battlefield. Be a warrior, everybody. You know, it's, you have to have that spirit today, but you have to pick yourself up. 
you have to be willing to pick yourself up. So for all of you that are out there and you're listening and go, oh, she can say that because she's seriously rich. Oh, she can say that because she lives on a private island. Oh, she can say that because X, Y, and Z. You can give it as many excuses as you want as to why I can say that. But don't give yourself an excuse because there isn't an excuse big enough to keep you from being who you are meant to be. And who are you meant to be? You truthfully, in my opinion, are meant to be the perfect light of God. And you can do that, everybody. You can do that. Susie Orman, more than anything these days, we need superheroes and you are Mm. a financial and a personal superhero. Thank you. Thank you for trying to wake us up and imploring us to get our stuff together so that the rest of our lives really can be the best. Great stuff, Mr. Schaefer. I know Bill won't tell you this, but, but, but folks, Susie Orman said, and I'm quoting now, I have done hundreds and hundreds of interviews, and that is the best interviewer I have ever had the pleasure of engaging with. But here's what she meant. She meant the questions that come from growing bolder, from looking at life from the perspective of somebody who is about to retire or maybe just has, and really talking about hard decisions and and the fact that when it's too late, it's too late, you know, trying to encourage people to start saving. It, that is something that is where her passion is. It really fires her up. I'll give you that. The content was good, but delivering the questions is what separates you from the other hundreds of interviewers she has engaged with. So thank you for that, Mr. Schaefer. All right, up next, he did not have the face or the smile of a classic movie star, but he sure had the heart of one. Two years before he died, we had a chance to talk about life, purpose, and fulfillment with Oscar winner Ernest Borgnine. Stick around for a Growing Boulder classic. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. Have you ever wondered if you're lucky enough to live into your 90s, what life might be like? Well, here on Growing Boulder, we've had the chance to introduce you to many people in their 90s and even older who are living full, exciting lives. And one of them happened to be pretty famous, an Academy Award-winning actor who started his movie career back in 1951, and he just simply never stopped. This interview took place in 2009 when he was a spry 92 years old. Here's a Growing Boulder classic interview with none other than Ernest Borgnine. Oh, you betcha. You betcha. Why not? After all, you got to keep young, you know. Uh, you know, too many people want to retire. Oh, boy, I can't wait till I retire. Oh, golly. Well, when the day I retire, man, that's it. I'm going to just sit down and enjoy myself. Well, after a couple of weeks of that, they say, <laughs> uh, what did I leave my job for? 
<laughs> Boy, you know in that movie when Harry met Sally, when when the one woman says, "I want some of what she's having," I want some of what you got, Ernest. Uh, Ninety-two years old, you obviously are in love with life. G- g- give us the moral of your story. How how can we be more like you? What's 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 the takeaway from your life? Well, I tell you, my mother told me one time, if you can make one person happy in the span of 24 hours, you've accomplished a great deal. Hmm. And, and that's what I try to do. Uh, try to make at least one person happy, uh, even if it's making my secretary happy. <laughs> 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 by, by letting her go a half hour earlier. <laughs> but no, really, uh, the idea is, is this. If you can make yourself happy, you've making the other person happy as well. And and by keeping happy and and staying well, hey man, you got it made. You know, there's so many things you did that were so cool in your career, and now here you are, 92 years old. There's a whole generation who knows you as Mermaid Man from SpongeBob SquarePants. You're hotter than ever. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> And we're still working at it. I love it, and it's fun. And, and you know who's uh, who's also Barnacle Boy with me is Tim, Tim Conway with me in McHale's Navy. Wow! And, and you know, oh, yeah. we did, we recently spoke to Lee Majors as well, and I know you've done some work with him uh, in a film that's coming out soon. Yeah, we uh, we're hoping that uh, we can get together and make a film together. Uh, Lee is a heck of a nice guy, and uh, and uh, he, he called me and he said, "Hey." Uh, how about making a film together? And I said, hey, let's let's do it. So uh, we, we we got the script and everything, and uh, we're hoping that everything works out, and we're going to be making it. Beautiful. And you know, you're yeah. not you're not just a guy who shows up on the set, does two minute roll, and gets out. I mean, I was on the set recently when you played J. Edgar Hoover. I was there for about a week, Ernie, and you don't take it easy. You really work when you're there. Well, that's the general idea, isn't it? Boy, but you know, it, you you figure that every you know somebody'd be coming up behind you with a chair and going, "Oh, sit down, Mister Borgnine. Take it easy, Mister Borgnine." But you didn't do any of that. You busted your rear end. Well, no. Listen, you know, when I go in or go to work, I I, I like to work, and uh, I don't like that. Hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. You know, and uh, that that was an easy one for me uh, doing uh, J. Edgar Hoover. You know, Ernie, from talking to you, it, it, it appears that you've got at least a couple of decades uh, of active life left. Uh, given that, what are your dreams? What do you still want to accomplish that maybe you haven't so far? Ah, golly, that, that's a good question. Again, I say I, I go back to making people happy. I think this is the, the best thing, you know. And I just came back from England where I uh, was over there for a couple of weeks. And I tell you, I had a wonderful time. And, and uh, I... I gave a uh, talk over at the British Film Academy. I have one of those, too, (laughs) 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 which is something rare in this country. And and I was very happy to to appear there. And and the very first question they asked when when, uh, they they wanted to know, uh, uh, you know, was I, the, the very first question from them was, is he coherent? (laughs) <laughs> and and what was the answer? <laughs> well, I gave him two hours of, uh, of adult-rated joy and fun, and uh, they said, he's coherent, all right. 
<laughs> you, you know, Ernie, when we think of your life, I mean, you starred with Frank Sinatra. You know, you were married to Ethel Merman. You've had so many memorable roles in great movies. What, Ernie, would you say was the best time of your life? Ah, the best time of my life. You know, uh, the, a number of things. Spending 10 years in the service didn't, didn't hurt me at all. You're in the Navy. Uh, in the Navy. And um, I was a depression sailor, you know, when I first started out. And I, I joined the Navy simply to get off the street because uh, in those days, you know, it was Great Depression, too. And um, and I, it made a man out of me. And uh, when, my, when my mother suggested that I become an actor, why well, are you ever given the thought, you know, have you ever thought of becoming an actor? You always like to make a darn fool of yourself in front of people. I said, Mom, that's what I'm going to be. <laughs> and 10 years later, I get an Academy Award. Wow. How, you know, how crazy can it be? It was, it was amazing, just amazing. Man, I love revisiting those Growing Boulder classic interviews. This one with the delightful Ernest Borgnine, recorded just a couple of years before he passed away in 2012 at the age of 95. And yes, he kept working right up until the very end. You know, that reminds me, Mark, because we're going to talk now about what happens when that time comes, when the end gets close, because... Very often, when somebody's health deteriorates, you know, family members are left to make some pretty tough decisions, not just on the health of their loved one, but also their belongings. What do you do with their things? How do you know if what they had has any value? Well, here's a fascinating story about how one person's cherished item found a new owner and became useful once again. Even the most common household items can come to mean so much more, and sometimes contain surprises that have been hidden for decades. To most, this is an ordinary sewing machine. But to Kim Payne, it's more like a time machine. When she was a child, she would sit in front of one just like this with her grandmother. And just seeing it began to stitch those faded memories back together. The sound of the bobbins, the smell of the motor, triggered something. The echoes of so many precious moments flooding back crystal clear. My grandma sewed all the time. She made quilts and clothes. She made clothes for all of us grandkids. I was probably around 10 years old when she finally loaned me her old Singer sewing machine that I could take home. That's when it really took off. I just sewed constantly. I couldn't even sleep at night. I couldn't shut off my brain because I just wanted to get out there and sew. Years later, I asked my aunt about that machine, and she said, well, Grandma sold it in a garage sale, which broke my heart. I tried to track it down on Facebook, and I wasn't having any luck at all. She had just about given up hope until she saw this. It was perfect, the right model, and it still worked, and that was important to Kim. She didn't want to just stash it somewhere. She intended to use it to carry on her grandmother's passion, and there it was, for sale by Caring Transitions, a company that specializes in senior relocation, downsizing, and estate sales. So she reached out to Tia Dunlap. We were doing a large sale um, that was for a, a family that the father had passed um, some time ago and the mother was actually moving into a memory care. She 
instantly was, I mean, when I did open the gate, she was the first one through and she went straight for that sewing machine. I didn't want anybody to get there ahead of me. I put, even put my hand on it. I knew that it would make me happy, and it did make me happy. It's so beautiful, and I decided I was going to make a shirt off of it. And I think of my grandma when I wear the shirt. I think of this sewing machine, and I think of Betty, the owner, who I, I know she loved it when she used it. So I know this machine has made a lot of people happy. About a week later, I got a letter in the mail from her, and there was a small green little piece of construction paper that said, I love you. And Kim sent me that and said, when I was cleaning out the machine, this little piece fell out from the drawer. I could just visualize some grandchild writing that note and giving it to her probably while she was sewing. I think it needs to be in her room. I just think that that love note would trigger a memory deep down inside on one of her good days. And so we took it to the assisted living and she just kept with her little fingers, you know, she just kept rubbing that little piece of paper. And to me, that just, I mean, that tells me that we're doing exactly what we need to be doing with these, with these people, because, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't that day, but maybe the next day, or maybe the day after that, that small little note from a grandchild that said, I love you, maybe triggered a sweet memory. A cherished memory and a heartwarming note that lives on, just like that sewing machine. That's what Caring Transitions does. By helping one family downsize, transition, or change, another finds new meaning and purpose in many of the items. Helping write new chapters and create new connections. That is the mission of Caring Transitions. Our name just speaks volumes. We care about what we're doing every day. Every day we are touching lives. And every day when we walk away from our client, we're, you know, we're hugging, there's tears, there's, you know, it's just an emotional part. And I'm thankful to be a part of that with the families. Having a plan and letting your family know exactly what it is can help make sure that you're able to age the way you wish. There's organizations out there like Caring Transitions that help people create plans that are just right for them. Lots going on these days, especially when it comes to issues that pertain with aging. I've got something on my mind, and I'll tell you what it is next on Growing Boulder. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details at growingbolder.com slash podcasts. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble to neglect. Bill and Mark back with you on Growing Boulder. My favorite time of the show now is when we get to find out, Mark, what is on your mind this time. You know, let me start with a couple of statistics, if you will. The age wave is upon us, Bill. We've been talking about this for decades. It is here. It is going to overwhelm many families, many individuals, many cities, many states, many countries. And the World Health Organization has put out an urgent plea for anybody that can help 
come up with a strategy to increase the health span of older adults because we've got this wave of frail elderly coming at us, which is really what Growing Boulder Day is all about. And that's what's on my mind because, as you know, we've been talking about putting together a Growing Boulder Day for many, many years. We're finally doing it. Uh, It's an intergenerational celebration about the opportunity of aging while we also try to call attention to the older adults in our community that need help, that need assistance, because there's a lot of them. And, you know, we always say it's kind of like the best of times and and the worst of times. The opportunity to live for decades, active, engaged, happy, healthy lives is, is greater than ever. But at the same time, there are more people struggling than ever. So how do we deal with the age wave? How do we overcome this wave of frail elderly? What we do is we modify the lifestyle of adults in their 30s and 40s and 50s. We help everybody understand how much impact they have on the way that they will age by the daily lifestyle choices that they make. What are the tenets of Growing Boulder Day? What are things we can do to try to make sure we're not part of the frail elderly? With all due respect to the important senior expos and senior days out there, this is not that. This is for everybody. The desire is the same. The motivation is the same. The goal is the same to help everybody age in a way that's positive. But the way you do that is you get the entire community involved. You change the culture of aging, and that's what's going to happen. Folks, if you want to be inspired, if you want to be empowered to live your best life as long as you can, All you have to do is keep following Growing Boulder, and all together, we'll help you get there. The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder, LLC, all rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, going high and mighty trap. Countless fire and flaming road, using ideas as my map.